When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question is, what are some examples of how the symptom criteria may appear with narcissistic personality disorder? So with this topic, narcissistic personality disorder, it's first important to understand that narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder are really two separate constructs. We could think of narcissistic personality disorder as an extreme case of narcissistic traits, although there are several elements to Narcissistic Personality Disorder, NPD, that we may not see to the same degree or even see at all with narcissism. Narcissism is considered relatively normal and even helpful in a number of ways. Narcissistic Personality Disorder is considered maladaptive. So there are nine symptom criteria for NPD in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Only five of these criteria have to be met for a diagnosis of NPD. And it's also important to remember that a diagnosis can only be made by a licensed and qualified mental health clinician. So let's take a look at these symptom criteria and some examples for each of them. So with the first symptom criterion, we have a grandiose sense of self-importance. So a lot of times we see this manifested through exaggerating and otherwise lying. So an example would be if somebody wins a competition or an award, say at work, like an award that's given every year for doing something in particular, some task or achieving some level of productivity, an individual who has the symptom may make it appear that their winning of that award was more substantial than when somebody else won the award in previous years. For example, if the award was for perfect attendance, they might say, well, yes, that other person the year before had perfect attendance, but there weren't as many snowstorms. It was more difficult to get into work this year. So they distinguish between the similar awards or the same awards using hardships or characteristics that made it more difficult for them to get. So it's really an exaggeration and in many cases a lie that feeds back into this grandiose sense of self-importance. The second symptom criterion is a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty. Now, this is one of those few instances, I think, in the DSM where the language is a bit imprecise. Rarely do we see this manifested as truly unlimited. It's not really a fantasy necessarily of unlimited success or power, but rather unrealistic and exaggerated achievements. And oftentimes, this is related to what the individual with narcissistic personality disorder does for a living or does for a hobby or something related to who they are. 
For example, if an individual with MPD works in a bank, their fantasy of power and success might be that they're going to be the CEO of that bank someday. Now, that may be quite a bit unrealistic. It may be a long shot that that would happen depending on what their skill sets are and how large the organization is. But it's not really a fantasy that has to do with unlimited power or success. Rather, as I mentioned, just a bit unrealistic. Sometimes we also see these fantasies in terms of owning something substantial, like owning a mansion, owning a large business, or reaching a high level of achievement in terms of financial or career success that really does seem to be at the outer edge of what's possible. A lot of times this has to do with property, money, and some sort of clear established type of power. Like, for example, being elected to a political office, or as I mentioned, being the CEO of a company. The third symptom criterion is this idea that the individual feels special, unique, and only high-status people or other special or unique people could understand them. So really, this symptom criterion ties in with arrogance, which is the last symptom criterion. Now, important point about this symptom criterion is it's not always necessarily a positive way of being special. Oftentimes it is. Oftentimes it's special as in somebody has the highest level of performance, they have the most money, they have the most physical beauty. But sometimes it's more of a wounded hero effect where they're special because they have some sort of emotional struggle or emotional damage and only certain people can relate to that damage. So this sometimes really manifests more in a way of looking for attention for being sensitive or emotionally special, not always, as I mentioned, in a positive way. The fourth symptom criterion is a need for excessive admiration. Now, sometimes this is more of an internal symptom criterion where somebody is offended when other people don't recognize something that they've done or don't greet them in a certain way. In terms of what can be seen, what can be observed, a lot of times we think of this as fishing for compliments. And this isn't always an obvious behavior. For example, if somebody has a new watch and they want to show off how great the watch is, how expensive it is, how hard it is to obtain, they might start a conversation by noticing your watch. They might say, hey, where'd you get that watch? That looks like a nice watch. And then you might give an answer and then somehow it turns into a conversation about their new watch. So that's a way that they can sort of prompt this excessive admiration that they require. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, so while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. 
We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. The fifth symptom criterion is a sense of entitlement. And the example I'll use here is when somebody goes to a restaurant to eat. There are a lot of different levels of service and things that can happen in a restaurant that can indicate status. So, for example, if someone goes to a restaurant, they may want to be seated quickly. They may want a better table. They may want food that's not on the menu, that's specially prepared. Also, they could require a discount. They might not want to pay the same as everyone else pays. So really, it's the sense that all those things would happen, like in this example of the restaurant, that they should happen, that they have a status where they deserve that, and there can be a reaction, an anger reaction, or some other negative mood state if that sense of entitlement isn't satisfied by the people that work at the restaurant. The next symptom criterion is that the individual exploits other people. We usually think of this as manipulation, and this comes in a lot of different forms. One type would be deliberately setting out to manipulate somebody. So deliberately doing something to gain something from somebody else. But a lot of times we see this manipulation as a byproduct of a failure to factor in other people's feelings. So it may be unintentional in a sense some of the time. Now an example here in terms of manipulative, we see sometimes in relationships. And this is where like a calculation is made with a friendship or a romantic relationship that we usually don't think of as normally accompanying those types of relationships. So for example, if somebody has this symptom, they may date somebody else and then think about that person's financial status, their physical attractiveness, their status in society. And if it's not up to the level that the individual wants, they may break off that romantic engagement. So there's a, again, a calculation going on that we wouldn't normally see if somebody didn't meet the symptom criterion, for example. The next symptom is a lack of empathy. And here with the lack of empathy, we sometimes think that an individual with NPD can't empathize. They can't understand how other people are feeling. And other times we think of this as more being they choose not to empathize. So whether somebody has the ability to empathize or not, oftentimes we still see a lack of empathy. So there is an observation where the empathy is just not there. An example of how this symptom criterion may appear would be, say, in a work setting, someone is injured. Say they have an injured leg, and they're walking through the office, and they accidentally run into a desk with that leg. The normal reaction from somebody without this particular symptom would likely be to cringe, to say something like, that really must hurt, I'm sorry that happened, maybe to walk over in some way and offer assistance with them walking around. Usually if we see this symptom manifested in a pronounced way, there won't be much of a reaction to something like that. Or the reaction may seem forced or faked, like perfunctory. So that natural reflex to react to somebody else when they're in pain isn't there or it isn't acted upon sometimes with NPD. 
The eighth symptom criterion is that somebody's envious of other people and they believe that other people are envious of them. And I've seen this manifest in a number of different ways. Now, sometimes if somebody has property or a certain ability, they compare that property or ability to something that somebody else has. And it may be a clear difference. So if somebody's a manager at a particular organization and someone else is an assistant manager, there's a difference in status and somebody with MPD may point that out or may believe that the person who has that lower status envies their power or status. But sometimes I've seen this where the object or ability is identical. For example, if someone buys an automobile, say a nice automobile, and then at the same employer where they work, where the person works, somebody else buys the same car. It's the same exact automobile. The individual with MPD may still find a reason why that car and that person by extension is somehow inferior and should envy their car. For example, maybe they didn't buy it from the nicest dealership or they didn't get a certain warranty or a certain color that they believe is better with their car than with the other person's car. So we see this manifested sometimes in a particularly unrealistic way. Envy is not an unusual characteristic, but when we see it manifest with NPD, it can have a characteristic like that where it doesn't really seem to make much sense that there'd be some sort of differential that could lead to envy, and yet they still infer the presence of envy in that situation. The last symptom criterion is the appearance of being arrogant. Sometimes we think of this as being supercilious. And this is one of the more obvious symptoms in terms of there's observable behavior that we can tie to it. I've seen this manifest in a number of ways too. You could see condescending behavior, somebody talking down to somebody else. We can see the individual with MPD accuse somebody of poor performance or poorly evaluating the performance. For example, if they buy something from a salesperson, they may rate that experience very negatively when in fact the salesperson really didn't do anything out of line that would merit such a rating. Another area that's not uncommon with this symptom criterion is questioning the validity of somebody else's credentials. So if somebody with NPD gets into difficulties with the law, for example, and they hire an attorney, they may repeatedly question that attorney's credentials. They may say, well, that law school that you went to really isn't the best, so I question what kind of job you can do. Or they may look at how many years of experience that person has and says, well, five years experience really isn't enough to be a good attorney or an effective attorney. So really constantly questioning the credentials and trying to make themselves appear superior to that person. So those are the nine symptom criteria for narcissistic personality disorder and some examples for each. It's important to remember that NPD is a serious mental health disorder and necessitates treatment, although we know that a lot of times when people have NPD, they do not come in for treatment. A lot of the treatments that we see for NPD are somewhat effective, particularly if people stay in treatment for a long period of time. We know, of course, that NPD is a personality disorder, and we expect the symptoms to be chronic and long-lasting. So getting sufficient treatment sometimes involves a longer duration of treatment. Also, it's important to remember that we think of NPD as being protective. It's a 
mechanism we believe comes about in part to protect a fragile sense of self. So people with NPD are genuinely suffering, even though they may not realize why, or they may not even realize they have a disorder. So when working with NPD, as is the case when working with any mental disorder, it's important as mental health professionals that we show compassion and try to deliver effective treatment. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevitz. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.